Welcome to An Author Angle, the podcast series exploring creative expression and inspiration with authors, publishing professionals, and other creatives from all around the world. Listen up as host and publisher Ocean Reeve digs into the heart and heads of other creatives and the vision for their work. Be creative, be inspired, be published. An Author Angle, brought to you by Ocean Reeve Publishing. In this episode of The Author Angle, Ocean talks with Renee Michelle, author of Battle Scars Are Beautiful. And we're kicking off again, The Author Angle, and yep, I'm with Renee here. Renee is an author that was published with us in 2019. That is right? That is right. Oh, good memory, good memory. <laughs> well, I want to kick right off and ask the most obvious question, why writing? Why did you decide to become an author? Writing has always been an escape for me ever since I was very, very young and reading the same. So I loved language and I loved how you could create a vivid image for someone for various reasons. So it was cathartic for me in the fact that my childhood wasn't a happy one. It was very turbulent, chaotic and abusive. And as soon as I could escape into a good book for a weekend, I was transported to another world. And I was, it was like an out-of-body experience. So as I started my own healing journey and started to put the, I guess, picture of my life together, the amount of people that I had, even psychologists and doctors would say to me, you need to write a book one day. And it got into my mind and it was something, it was like a pie in the sky, you know, magical image. Oh, imagine being an author and writing your own story without ever really understanding what that meant. So it was always something that was a dream of mine. So as soon as I had the opportunity to investigate that a little bit further and stumbled across you, Mr. Reef, yes, it all became a reality. And you did the writing mentorship with me, so we kind of like worked quite closely together in the construct of the manuscript. Yes. Um, but I want to know more about the story. I want to know about Battle Scars Are Beautiful. What is it about? It is my story, so my memoir. And the whole point from the outset, and I remember one of the first questions you asked when we had our very first conversation was why? And what is going to make your story different? What's the vision? That's it. Yes, yes. And I remember saying, well, it's going to be different because it's mine. Nobody has my story. Nobody has your story. Our stories are our own. And if we're able to tell it from a really authentic, transparent and honest place, I believe that they really do carry healing, hope, so many deep things for people to grab a hold of because that's what it did for me. So I wanted to tell a story from a very honest and raw place. I didn't want to hold back because I find that the more raw and real a story is, the more faults and failings it has, the more hope and belief that we can carry that, oh my gosh, if that person got through that and they are where they are today, maybe there's hope for me. And I wanted to do that for somebody else. I wanted to use the pain for purpose and really use that transformative message to give other people hope and inspiration, but to make it very, very plain. Plain language. I didn't want an academic book. There's so many of those out there. I wanted it to be my voice so that when you read it, it was like, oh my gosh, I can actually hear Renee. It's like we're having a cup of coffee. So I wanted it to be Personable. Personable yes. and, and relatable. And and, and it is. Uh, did you find writing about your history and what happened to you, did you find that 
tough to was it was it was it hard to relive that not in the way that you might think and again that was a conversation that we had because I know you care about your authors and when we're telling things that are very deep and painful um, you you have a real duty of care to your authors and that was something that you asked me and I was very lucky in the fact that I had done so much healing I had been to doctors and counselors and psychologists and um, I have my own faith so I had been on my own healing journey for a very long time so as much as it didn't trigger me as far as pain what it did do was actually make me acutely aware of holy crap you've actually been through a lot because we do shelve things right we bury them and we get on with life so that that was more of what it did for me I think that in in my career and the amount of stories I've told that are around this topic um I won't say that I'm getting sick of doing it because I know what it does for people to write their stories. It is cathartic for a lot of people and then like what your vision was and, and, and you've lived it the last 18 months of, of how that book was going to make an impact. But um, it's sad to see that there are so many stories like this. Uh, what impact has your book had since being out there to maybe make a change there? Yeah, wow. Like... It has just been astronomical in the fact that I get messages week in, week out from people saying, I heard you on a podcast, I've now got my hands on your book and oh my gosh, I've got children that have been through this or a sister or a friend. Um, It's really bizarre the amount of people that have come to me but in not the not the, I guess, commonsensical approach. In other words, they're not coming to me saying, I was abused, this is my story. They're saying, oh my gosh, there's so many people in my world and your book has provided me an insight of now how I can help them. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, now I actually really get what they're going through without them having to tell me. So it's opened many doors, not only survivors, but for caregivers of survivors and also organisations that have really contacted me and said, hey, we'd like to talk to you more about this. Um, I was lucky enough to be appointed as an ambassador for Stepping Out organisation last year. I know. I was giving you a big shout out. It was was awesome. awesome. And they found me purely by an internet search. Really? By an internet Google search. And this is something that I tell everybody all the time. It doesn't matter if you're an author, speaker, advocate. The more podcasts you can do and the more internet online presence you can have, your SEO goes through the roof. I have done Mamma Mia interviews. I have been in New Idea magazine. I was checking them all out this all morning, because, All because of that, just speaking and just having that online presence. So mm. it has been an amazing door opener for, you know, and globally, not just here in Australia. Is that what you wanted for? the book or did you want that to be a kind of uh, an opening for people to yeah tell me it is exactly what I wanted I wanted it I the image that I had was a key opening a door and the book was the key the book was the key that showed people where I've come from what I've done to be where I am and to spark curiosity and interest and to create conversation and that's what it done has done people have contacted me and said a wire book how was it like telling your story? Where are you now? And what have you learned along the way? So it's really piqued people's curiosity, which of course has opened doors to further questions and further opportunities. So that's exactly what I wanted it to do. That's so awesome. That's so good to hear. And, and I'm very pleased that um, our brand's on that book. Uh, it's, it's something that we're very proud of as well. Is there something that becoming an author has done that you didn't expect? Um, I guess what it's done, it's created a lot of conversation around why did I choose to tell my story this way? 
why did I not try to do traditional publishing? Why did I do the self-publishing or assisted publishing route? So they're questions that I didn't really expect. I thought it would expose a story that made a lot of people uncomfortable, which it has, which I love. Good, good. I love polarising conversations because it it really pulls people out of their comfort zone, which is awesome. Um, And it puts a spotlight on a conversation around a topic people don't want to talk about. Mm. So... The questions that came to me around why has really opened up my own thoughts about, well, why did I do this as well? So it's been a a self-development process. Um, A lot of people said, so was this like the final cathartic, you know, um, step in the process of healing? And I said, what it was more so was a big bow that wrapped it all up and then presented it to the world. Yep, yep. And that's very common. You get a lot of people that have been through this set of circumstances and they have um, used the book as the final step. And that, that, whether it has been, like I said before, whether it has been cathartic for them or not, or they have been trying to make a bigger impact, um, some people just want to expose the fact that this is a, 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 a massive issue of sex abuse, and, and especially with children. And I think that we're seeing more and more of these stories. Um, who are the Australian of the years? Grace Tamay, I know. How's CSA that? Survivor. Yep, it, advocate speaker. So bloody cool that that got recognised. And, you know, the, the I, I don't know about the Me Too, Me Too movement. I don't agree with what, what went on with all these women getting um, assaulted. But uh, I think that the it did create a debate. It did create a conversation. I think it's more now about the, the people that feel that they can't speak out, not the celebrities as such. Um, and I think what you're doing and what that book represents is a is a window of opportunity for people to start that conversation, which is really bloody cool. What did you wish you'd known when you started out writing with me? Is there something that you've you looked at now that you're going, should I wish I'd known that two years ago when I was working with Ocean? I think I just wish that I had possibly reached out to you a lot more than I did. I would agree <laughs> with that, Renee. In fact... <laughs> On many cases, I was actually going, I've said this to Flash. I said, man, she is not emailing me. What's going on? (laughs) Uh, You know, and (laughs) there were times when I just, and this was through the editing process more so. Like I remember when you first said, right, here's the first couple of pages. I want you to fill out this form. Tell me the, the, you know, the basic structure, da, 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 and I'll give you a couple of weeks. And I think I did it in 24 hours and just banged you it back. You did. You did. Everybody <laughs> says, I'll be real fast, and then they, they're not. But you actually did. You got it back real quick. Why? Because <laughs> as soon as they started, it was like ping, 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 and all the neurons were firing, and it was like, yay, and I was just right into it. But when we got to the editing phase, I was literally so sick of hearing my own voice in my head, reading the words and it got to a point where I really hit the wall and I just closed the laptop and I was like, I just can't look at this one more minute. And instead of reaching out to you and going, hey, this really strange things happened that I didn't expect and this is where I'm at and you having the opportunity to walk me through that so I didn't freak out, I freaked out. <laughs> well, well, let's just talk about that for a little bit because I think that we're, we're going to go into doing the audio book at some point in the near yes. future. And one of the things that has come up for authors is are you telling me I have to read my bloody book again because during editing you know for those that don't know you know you you are having to read and review the manuscript several times and several hundred (laughs) in some cases cases, yes you you do have to be diligent and make sure that you're reviewing what the editors are doing it's your story it's your journey it's your word so it's really important that happens and then when that's done and it goes into formatting you're asked to do it again 
And then when a proof copy gets produced in a physical form, you're asked to do that again. And then suddenly you're looking at doing an audio book and what, now I have to read this out loud and I'm going to ask you to practice. So you have to do that before you go into the studio. And you do get rather frustrated with the fact that you have to do it so often and over and over again. But it is about producing that quality, isn't it? It's about bringing out a book that you can be proud of. Oh, yeah. And do yeah. you feel that we achieved that? Oh, tenfold. Tenfold. Oh. I couldn't be prouder. Chores. Yeah. And that's and that's the beauty and that's why I direct so many people to you, Ocean, is that the confidence that I have to hand that book over or put a link to my book if someone, you know, contacts me, I don't hesitate. I'm so proud of giving them that link because I know what that book does for people. Mm. You know, I've been I've been talking about it now, you know, from the moment that I signed on with you is the moment I started telling the world that I was writing the book, right? Yeah, that's good. So, you know, pre-sale starts from the date you go, yes, I'm writing my book. Well, you did listen to me. If I, I, did, I, did, I did, I did, I did, <laughs> Yeah. And the com- like I said, the confidence that I have, the joy that I have and the expectation that I have every time I share that with someone because I know the results of what it can do. Mm, mm. Okay different question now tell me about the victorious woman oh the victorious woman my membership keep going okay so i started a private membership the and that's something that i guess i'm going to add to this too the confidence that i've gained since becoming an author that has been a big surprise so as you know i've always liked confidence something that i always have these limiting beliefs these haunting inner critic voices continuously come back no more I'm so nailing that. That's been a big, big goal of mine since starting this journey. And this year, it's really gotten so much stronger. However, The Victorious Woman was an idea that I had. And I've always had an idea about making a very sacred, safe community for women that are at a later stage in life. They've built careers, families. They're they're out there doing it. They're bold. They're action-taking, badass women. Nice. But they know that there's something that's still holding them back, whether it's imposter syndrome, whether it's, you know, I'm just not good enough. I've got to work twice as hard as everybody else to be just as good because of the trauma they've suffered in their childhood. It is so hard for these women at that stage of their life to put their hand up and go, actually, I'm still suffering because they think they should have it all together. Because to the outside world, it looks like they do. But inside, they're dying. They can't connect to their spouse the way they want to. They're being triggered by their children. And they're like, what is wrong with me? So that was very much me for a large part of my adult life. So I wanted to create a group, especially for these women, to come together where we can learn from each other, where we can share our story, share our struggles. I have guest speakers from all over the world popping into that group every single month, dedicating an hour to an hour and a half of their time just to help these women with their particular situation. So almost like one-on-one quality coaching from women all over the world. My God, that's amazing. It is amazing. And we turn up every week for just one-on-one coaching. And then we have a mastermind at the end of the month where those women decide on a topic and we all come together and help each other through that. And obviously this is all online? It's all online. Yep, yep. Great, great. We'll get to your website shortly. (laughs) What I was doing this morning, because I just wanted to refresh myself of, of the achievements that you've had since being public. And so I was checking out a whole lot of stuff and I came across that. And I went, hmm, interesting. And then I went onto your social and you'll see that I stalked you on LinkedIn again this morning. So it's really good to see that you're developing new, um, you're diversifying into yes. other areas where you can be of greater assistance to the community. That's cool. Um, just a side issue because I was listening to you then talking about um, imposter syndrome. Um, do you feel, I don't, just to make sure that I'm a precursor with what I'm going to ask you. <laughs> Do you feel that women in business are still struggling to, or 
in their own mind, still struggling to meet their male counterparts? Many, yes. Not all. And it's less than I think it used to be. Thank God. Yeah. The reason I asked that is because it came up a couple of weeks ago. Somebody was mentioning it to me and uh, it came about the, the publishing industry. And I said, look, back in the day, the publishing industry was dominated by males. And then around about the 70s, 80s, women took over. And now it's completely dominated by women. And I think there was just a misconception that because myself and Flash run this mm. place that, you know, are, you know, are all publishers male, you know, managing publishers male. Absolutely not. We're actually a rare breed, Renee. Would you know that? Yeah. <laughs> well, I've always known you guys are a rare breed. <laughs> <laughs> You've been um, pretty busy doing guest speaking on various conferences and, and, and panels and podcasts during the times that you've been published. What kind of impact, like you did touch on this before, what kind of impact has that had for your career and for, you know, also for the people that are listening? What, what have you, what's come from that? Yeah, I think a lot of credibility. A huge amount of credibility. There's some big podcasts. Yes. Yep. Yep. And look, in 2020, when when COVID hit, I freaked out like a lot of people did and thought, holy crap, that was the first year that I had, I think, about $50,000 worth of speaking gigs, in-person gigs booked in. That was going to be the biggest year yet. And it was all built constantly on creating those networks and creating that presence and creating that I actually have something to offer here that's a little bit different to what other people are talking about. So I was like, holy crap, what do I do now? The amount of podcasts, I think I did 35 podcasts in 12 months, Mm, which is just insane. And I didn't look for those. I didn't look for one of those. That was people that I, a lot of people say content is king. I say collaboration is king. I agree with that. So building networks, building relationships and not just, hey, do you want me to do such and such? Actually cultivating dynamic you know, um, relationships where you're giving more than you're taking. Yep. Yep. That created an opportunity for people to go, oh my gosh, Renee, we're putting together this virtual seminar. We'd love to be on the panel. And the majority were from America and Canada. They weren't even here in Australia. And again, like I said, that was from all of those building networks. So what it has really, really done is created an opportunity where people know my name now or a friend of a friend knows my name. Oh, I know someone. It happens every day. I get a link. We're speaking to somebody about you today. Somebody said they're looking for someone. I've put your name in and I'm going to do a meet and greet, you know, conversation on Facebook for you. Fantastic. So that's just from being out there and just talking and just sharing. Now that we're coming out the other side of COVID and we're probably looking at what the new normal is like, uh, what's the plan? With Like, obviously you might have more um, podcasts and, and online things to do, mm-hmm. but is there any physical gigs coming up? I've, I've just sold out my first in-person event. No shit. Ladies only event on the sunshine. You swore. I, I know, I know. <laughs> you said you are going to try not to. I'm not hey, F-bombing. I'm no, not that's F-bombing. right. That's right. So I've just sold out a nine-person um, in-person event for June. Wow. Um, so that was, again, another – I'm just going to talk about this with the women that I work with and I'm just going to throw it out there and see who grabs. Well, nine women went me. I'm in. Count me Holy in. Holy wow. That's amazing. So you just never know. Don't ever discount the opportunity of conversation. Yep. Just have a conversation with your tribe. And as you build your tribe and your loyalty amongst those who know and love you, people will start going, yes, I want to be there. I want to learn from you. I want to hang out with you. And that's what it was, an opportunity to hang out. So a lot more speaking events. I did a massive speaking, uh, I guess, program last year, which yielded a lot of fruit in me understanding that's that side of the world and really what's involved in becoming known as a speaker. It's awesome. not just standing on a stage and speaking, right? There's mm. so much more to that. So I really want to develop that side of the business so that 
eventually when I can jump on an airplane again, um, I can do that all over the world. That's the long-term goal. Yeah, I hear that. Um, I, I managed to score a couple last month. Uh, one's happening at the end of the month, one's in March up in Sunshine Coast. Ooh. And um, I, I'm kind of excited because the last time I was on stage was in February, February of 2020 in New Zealand. And then COVID hit a month later and everything that I had planned for 2020 also fell through the floor. And I'm just desperate to get up there and, and just share creative expression again. But I think what we're finding is that the um, HR managers and a lot of these conference organisers have just, you know, they're twiddling their thumbs, they're getting itchy and they're just stepping forward now and going, bugger it, we're going to make it work. We're going to follow these restrictions. You know, there's going to be social distancing that means less people. Then, And one guy said to me, I'm selling online version and also physical so people that, you know, obviously yes. can't get the book tickets can still come. And I think that's going to be really exciting for people like you and me that can get back out there and talk about the stuff yeah. that we're good at, you know. That's so cool. It's good that you've had all those podcasts. I was like really blown away when I went on there and had a look and seen what you've I done. just love them. I flipping love them. Mm. And I, I love that. All of the ones I do, there's no structure. It's just, okay, Renee, we're just going to have a conversation. I'm like, yes. And again, that's about creating an online brand presence, reputation, where people know what your style is, know what they love about what it is that you uniquely provide. And therefore, they are the ones that search you out. So you end up doing the things that you really love. And if things, do, you know, things have been pop, popped up now and again that don't align, and after a, you know, 10, 15-minute conversation, I know that they're not aligned and mm. I just, you know, kindly say thank you but no thank you and um, sort of step up, make sure I step away from those. Um, but it's been great. It's yeah. so much fun. No, I hear that. It's so good to watch. Um, let's dig a little bit more into you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Evil laugh right now. I love that. Um, this is kind of a, 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 a double-edged question considering the, your story. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back in time at your 18 year old self mm. Ooh. all right what would you tell her now oh gosh this comes up quite a bit you know everybody asks it i know everyone asks it um i would tell myself just how special i actually am just you know i as soon as you said think of your 18 year old self i spent my 18th birthday by myself on bondi beach in a rainstorm drinking a mixture of scotch and coke out of a coke bottle Jesus. Sit, yeah that was my 18th birthday and i remember sitting there going what is even the point mm. i'm here by myself on my 18th and i remember looking around going i have no one i have nothing and you know people Often that question comes with if you had a crystal ball, da 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 da. What would you, you know? Or if you, or if you had no, sorry. <laughs> what well, if you had a superpower? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine would truly be time travel, even if it was a ten-second moment of time that you were able to provide to someone. Because if I could have seen ten seconds of the life that I have now, oh my gosh, I would have been the happiest kid on earth. Because I just never realized that I had the potential to create anything that was good. So I would honestly say to myself, you are all you need. You, you have so you, much potential. You had a lot of contribution. Like this is before I knew you. Yep. So w- when we met and you told me about your history and the work you'd done, you'd had some massive contributions into the community already. Mm. And, you know, what sparked that? Is it Was it, Yeah. My daughter, the birth of my daughter, it really unlocked a part of my personality, identity, whatever you want to call it, that I never knew I had and that really threw me for a loop. Not growing up with a maternal parent, 
I had no maternal qualities within me either. I was kind and I was compassionate and had empathy for people. But I had never been clucky or never really liked young children or never really saw in my future being a parent. I assumed it would happen at some stage, but it was not like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a great mum. Right, I, I thought I would be the sh- worst. Oh, I nearly swore. The worst mother on the planet. And then when I had Cassidy, I was 26 years old, still hadn't started my healing journey. What it you know, brought out in me what just flowed out of every pore and fibre of my being was this protection and adoration for this little human being that I was terrified of, mind you, because like I said, I had no idea what I was doing. It's like something clicked in me and I I remember I journaled about it and I was an infrequent journaler and I remember writing, I never want to just do a J-O-B ever again. I want to contribute to this world and make it a better place for my child. Did did having Cassidy having kids? You got two kids. Yeah. Um, did having kids and and becoming that mum and seeing that change within yourself, from what you'd experienced when you were younger with being abused, mm. did that put in an extra layer of protection? Was there? Oh yes. Yeah. Do do you st- like your kids are almost growing now? Cassidy's like, almost nineteen. Holy and Jacob's shit. just turned sixteen. Cassidy's about to move out. She's doing a double degree at uni. She wants wow. to work with traumatized children. Epic. Like, hello, what, what can you say? <laughs> well, obviously, you've had a strong influence there. Mm. And, and they obviously look at you as their... And I, I wish this was the case in every family, but you, you want your kids to look at you as a hero mm. and someone to aspire towards. Um, the greatest hero that we can ever have is, is mm-hmm. loving, fierce parents. And, and I guess that is exactly, exactly what you did with your kids. But that extra layer that went on... Do, they didn't feel was there any negative no and and you know often kids rebel against yeah and and cassidy did but it was not so much rebelling against me as it was just that stage of her life and you know at around that 13 14 year old age was also when i'd separated from my ex-husband and that was 17 years of emotional trauma and abuse that marriage between and that relationship between him and I very very toxic mm. so when we separated Cassie had a lot of anger trying to understand that and I was a very protective parent now I didn't wrap them up in cotton wool I was very strict um, there was no just free handouts they they had to work and earn they had to be respectful I don't accept bad attitude from children like I had very strong parameters around the type of of parent I wanted to be in the type of children I wanted to raise in this world um, I wanted them to be strong and independent Cassidy took it to a whole nother level <laughs> she's just anyway that's another that's another podcast for another day yeah, yeah. but what it did do Ocean is that I was so acutely aware of the world is not this vanilla place it's not unicorns and rainbows there is a lot of danger out there mm. but I also didn't want my, my children to be weak and reliant and dependent upon me to provide that so I really instilled you know, um, an independence and awareness. So Cassidy was around homelessness and around um, young girls in rehab centres since she was three years old. So she has always known we lost friends to suicide and she was quite close to some of these girls that went down that route. So it was always age-appropriate language that I used with both of my children, but I didn't shield them from the world. I let them really, really know that 
you know, it's not all great, but I'm here as your first line of defence, but you also have a voice. Mm. You also have the right to say no to things you don't want to do and you are your own person. And lo and behold, they really are today. I remember at the launch uh, um, and the emotions from your kids mm. um, when they were seeing you speak. And, I mean, for me, I, I go to a lot of launches, as you could imagine, and one of the things I always take pride in is seeing how the, the family and close friends of that author how they're responding to the fact that that person is published. And and in particular, at your launch, it was really quite amazing because I met a lot of new people there. And uh, they felt, th- basically, they were portraying the same feelings that I was seeing in your daughter when, when you were speaking. Because she was pretty emotional and, and mm. it was out of pride um, that you'd reached this point. Um, so you've got some pretty good kids there, aren't you? They're amazing. Yeah, it's pretty epic. <laughs> Okay, what inspires you? Don't say your kids. I know they do. Yeah, yeah. Think that early. What inspires you? Um, what inspires me? People that have clawed their way out of the most hideous crap that you could ever imagine. And again, I think that's why I've always been drawn to biographical movies and, and documentaries. And, you know, even if they're really quite hardcore, as long as they're real and from the person who survived it from their point of view, mm. I'm really, really drawn to that type of story and that type of experience. So the more I see people speaking their truth and it can be as ugly as heck because sometimes the uglier the better because we can tangibly feel the the hope, like I said, and the life, you know, within the human spirit to nice. overcome and to be resilient. So that's what inspires me every day is seeing people stand up and saying, yeah, you know, that was really tough. I think but more I'm people here. need to hear that. I, I mean, it's really admirable to hear that that it's people overcoming adversity that is inspiring a lot of our authors. And I hope more and more people hear that and more and more mm. because the more they hear that, the more they talk about it. And then they become on the other side of that fence now too. And this is the biggest problem I have with, and I said this at the start of this podcast, with sexual abuse or child mm. abuse is that people are not talking about it as much as they should. It pisses me off it really me does too. <laughs> and, I, and I don't know what else we can do except be louder and louder and louder and louder about it and I've got four kids three of them are girls and I mean I've been very I wouldn't call myself a, a helicopter parent or a Nazi parent but I had very strict rules I mean I was listening to you when you're saying oh, I was strict it's going shit girl I had this rule <laughs> where like as the girls got older they want to go out and party with their mates and whatever and I said oh, yeah, well, then, okay, I'll see you at nine o'clock not 901 901 they walk through the door how's your night yeah it was really good blah blah blah. you know you're grounded next week eh? (laughs) and they went what i'm home at nine o'clock no you weren't you're home at 901 and i was that guy Mm. but i was also the guy that gave them rope so if they were home at nine o'clock consistently for weeks and weeks and weeks then i'd go okay well do you want to go till 10 exactly you know and i had that kind of that that give and take and i never went yeah i never went to sleep until they got home Mm -hmm. you know and if they were 17, 18, they were going out to 2 in the morning. I'd stay up and I'd wait. 2.01, they'd be getting a text message from Ocean <laughs> going, where the hell are you? And, you know, I was really lucky because that when, when shit did turn bad, because it does with every kid when they're yep. out doing that stuff, I was the first person they called, yep. no matter what it was. If they were in a violent situation, I was getting a phone call. I'd break speed limits to get to them. If it was the police, I'd, I'd be mm. there. And I was so fortunate that my children weren't a part of that. But I know friends of theirs that were. I've got friends who've got kids that have been Mm. and I'm sick of it, man. I'm so sick of it. And I think that I'm going to definitely be louder with you guys on something changing with this. And yeah, anyway, I'm getting carried away. (laughs) That's me though. What's your favourite word? 
Oh my god! Oh and my and god. if you f bomb me, Renee. <laughs> no, no, I won't. Um, look, when you say favorite word, I've chosen a word for twenty twenty one, and I've never done that before. Uh, like I said, I'm on a very, very, you know, um, strong self development journey this year. For I mean, we should constantly. I've got a growth mindset. I'm always wanting to learn, always wanting yeah, to evolve, so cool. always. You have to. Yep. Um, but this year, I have a very strategic specific focus and when I wanted to you know look at my word for 2021 I thought no let's look at the meaning of why we do this and what it's going to add to my life rather than just going you know jump I hate hype I don't just jump on things for hype mm-hmm. um, that's why I sort of as soon as you said that I was like oh but then I thought no I actually have chosen a word for 2021 which is aligned okay so every single time I get an offer a phone call um, someone wanting to collaborate um, I get lots of job offers things like that people that just want my services but don't actually want to value and pay for them I always now look at them for this year through the through the lens of aligned is this aligned with where I'm going is this aligned with who I am is this aligned with what I want to achieve is this aligned with me I think that's really good business Aye. yeah because it's helping like the the biggest thing the biggest commodity we've got is our time and sometimes you do donate your time and you do serve because it's the right thing to do because yep. of that alignment. Uh, sometimes when you look at those things that don't, you, you know, you're weighing up how much time you're going to be spending on that and, and for what, not just for you, but also for the people that have been a part of that. Yes. You kind of ask yourself the question, is it really worth it? I actually haven't got a word for 2021. I'd probably think if I was going to pick one, oh, country. country. <laughs> do, you know, do you know how big I am on country now? I've You've been watching that stuff. You you need to speak to Ash. I tell you, every time I ring him, he's in the truck listening to flipping Wagon Wheel and Country Western, and I'm like, oh god. Oh, bring it on, Darius Rucker. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Um, Okay, so messaging. You've got um, a clear vision, and and obviously your alignment. I like that. Um, is more defined now. What's your core message to people? And I don't just mean people that are overcoming adversity. I mean general public out there. It's a post-COVID world. You know, things have changed, girl. So what is your core message that you want to deliver to people? My core message is that the worst thing that happened in your life can be the absolute best thing. So you can find a gift in every hardship and I know a lot of people are going to go what a load of BS that it's is it's not bullshit no yep. way I, but some people will and I've had some people say that well if you think that turn the podcast yeah, off yeah. Like, you know. so I've been doing a lot of visualisation exercises around this very thing going back to the worst moment or I had several so pick a moment Renee mm-hmm. and now look at what that produced and then what that produced and then what that produced and that's why I'm here doing this talking to you living my best life Mm. which is only going to get better and better but all of those moments brought me to here so the message that I always say to people is even in the worst moment of your life you can find the most amazing gift once you've found that that can really propel you into anything you want to achieve I like that and I mean that question that I asked you before about going back to your 18 year old self I mean there's you know you look at circumstances like what you went through not just um, as a kid but with your marriage and stuff Mm -hmm. and you know people would say oh if I could turn back time I would have you know stopped that from happening or I wouldn't have got with that person and that in reality it's those things that create the person we are now and if we're living in with authenticity we don't lie we don't cheat we don't steal and we're keeping you know we're giving that that um, inspiration to our children and the people that are close to us then I think everything that we've gone through has been kind of worth it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know I, I, I think when you talk about your message to the um, others that have gone through that journey 
you know, experiences and coming out the other side, how exciting it would be for them to see what's possible for them and more possible for them than maybe those that haven't gone through it. I think that puts you on an, on a different scale. It does. You know, and, and you're certainly one of those people, you know, if you think, look, just have to go to the skills website and have a look at the stuff she's been doing and you'll see exactly what I mean because since becoming published, you've just been like a skyrocket. It's been crazy. And especially in the, in, in the situation that you mentioned before about COVID restricting a lot of your physical speaking mm-hmm. gigs, you know, and it, it, there's a need to build a stronger community and the leaders that need to do that are those that have triumphed over adversity. Hey. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, fuck, yeah. That was pretty good. It was great. Was that? Did you just swear? Oh, fuck. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> oh, You're I'm doing so really sorry. well. You're doing really well. But, that, but that's exactly right. And what it also did was, you know, it made us become very creative around how to now engage with people. Mm. Like I am feeling a little bit zoomed out, to be completely honest with you, because like you, Ocean, I have discovered that I love being in a room full of people yeah, who man. go figure. Because I remember when I wrote the book and you said you need to start speaking, I burst into tears and said, no, I can't, I won't. You know, I just can't do that. Now I absolutely love doing that. Mm. And I still get nervous, but it's the right nerves. Oh, that's good though. That's because healthy. it's got nothing to do with me. It's about to do with that one person in the room that needs to hear that message that day. Mm. And that just takes all that, you know, it's all about me, it's all about me pressure away. But what it also did was I was able to tick a lot of boxes of things that had been dreams. So to work with Queensland Police. Yeah, That came that. around because of COVID. They needed to create, you know, a program that they could roll out in person via video. So they're like, hey, do you want to come and tell us your story? Two hours later, I'd been down at QPS at Oxley sharing my story, speaking with specialist lead investigators. And now we've got this ongoing collaborative relationship that's established because they needed an online program. Well, I mean, what were you, what were your options? Well, like COVID hurts. What are your options? Just stop? Binge on Netflix, which is what a lot of people did. They panicked. And I have to admit, for about two weeks, I did do that. But what it did do was it? I was like, okay, well, there has to be something else. And it forces you to bring energy to another area of your life, which was, okay, um, I love speaking to a screen because there's no judgment there. It's this tiny little light. So how do I turn that into something that's going to bless people and help people just as much as it would as if we're having a cup of coffee? Mm. So it really did make people, I'm not going to use the word pivot because everyone's like, you just have to pivot. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> Do you know what I like, think of when I hear that? Don't have a physical... Yeah, so I know. Hold on, what is that? Well, I'm not playing netball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm like, if you say that word one more time. But yeah, it, it forced people to get creative. And now you're seeing virtual online seminars that have got 30, 40... I was part of a, a sexual assault and a domestic violence discussion that was based in America. Mm. We had 65 speakers. It went for wow. three and a half hours and people could just tune in and out at the time of that day that suited them. That's perfect. It was amazing. I think there's just... It's been a... It's going to be inclusive now. I think, like I said before, you're going to get people that are going to have these live events. You're going to sell tickets. You're going to get people there but they will be streaming online as well and I think I've seen that not just because they had to because of COVID but because it opens up their scope to a much much larger audience past even Australia or past like you've identified those 65 speakers where were they from? All They were all American I was the only Aussie I'm only the ever Aussie Aussie, I'm like represent (laughs) (laughs) Oh that's too special that's too special Okay just going back to um, I've got a couple more questions before we sign off on this what is the best tip you'd give others thinking about becoming an author? Oh gosh, apart from the fact, do it. 
Well, um, well. And the second fact of well, contact ocean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to say that Every though, ocean, freaking time. because it, would you like me to stop referring? <laughs> Hell no! Hell no! Keep them coming. I'm getting some great authors. Clary Leon, they're awesome. I keep, know keep they're coming. awesome people. Is just. Um, entertain the thought and have fun with it you know because I made up so many excuses and this is what we do so many excuses of why we can't do something we don't ever really look at why we should or we can right if I go okay I want to speak on a stage in front of 300 people this year first thing I do <laughs> whatever that noise is jeez guys <laughs> it's, it's like a freight train Sounds it's a plane. helicopter. It's a low-flying helicopter. Oh. Very low-flying. What have you done, Ocean? They're looking for you. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, so what we, first, what we do initially is think of all the reasons why we can't do something. Or it's like, you know, creating the life you want. The first thing we do is we know everything we don't want, but not many of us can actually articulate what it is, what our perfect day or what our perfect life actually looks like. We go, well, I don't want this and I don't want to be broke. Yeah, but what do you want? Mm. So until we get clear on that, so why, why do you want to share your story? Well, it should be because it's your story and the world needs to hear it because we all have our own story. Yeah. And you have something that nobody else can provide the world. And I know it's so cliche, but think of one reason why that's not true. Oh, that's so on. And I think I had an author, a new author that just signed up today and they contacted me and they'd read one of our author's books and it didn't make disparaging comments, but he made comments how he wasn't liking it. And he asked, oh, how, how well has this book been going? And I said, well, you know, first off, every author, every book is unique. So let's just understand that not mm. everybody is going to like your book. They may not like the way you write. They may not like your author photo. Who knows? Um, but at the end of the day, if I looked at everybody over the last 20 years that has said to me, I want to write a book, and then I was to narrow that down to those that actually have actually written something, and then again narrow that down to those that have actually come to my office again and said, hey, I've finished, and then narrow it again, down even more to those that have published. You might look at the library or the bookshops and, the, and Amazon and whatever and go, shit, there's so many authors mm. out there, so many books. But in the scale of the people that have wanted to write, it's actually quite small. So it's really good to, to, to hear that from you, especially you know going through the journey you went and I was right there when you were writing. So yeah, no, nah, it is good. It is good. Um, right, no barriers. No barriers. Financially, COVID, whatever, nothing. What would you be doing right now? Well, oh. after this podcast, of course. What would you be doing? No barriers. Oh, that's awesome. I would be flying all over the world, speaking oh. on stages in front of hundreds and thousands of people, sharing a stage with my biggest mentors in life. Wicked. And not being afraid about it, but being so excited. You're having a limitless bank account where if there's a conference on the other side of the world that I just go, right, can you book tickets? We're going. I don't ever want to have to go, can we? You know, no, mm. we're just going to do it because it's something that I want to do. And building a legacy for the kids and for other people. I want to be a massive philanthropist where I just see something that's maybe in a startup stage that's struggling. I can see the vision go right here. I'm going to help you fund that. I'm going to help you get that off the ground. Yeah, I so really cool. want to help people that are struggling, that have amazing visions, you know, and huge hearts behind it and have everything in place bar the finance. Yeah. They're the people that I want to help. Well, watching this, watch the space, guys, because in the two years I've known you, you certainly made a bit of an impact. So I can see that coming Coming to fruition. Um, I do have one more statement I want to make and get your feedback on it. I did a video about a week ago, two weeks ago, about the word can't. Did mm, you see it? Yes. Yeah, I just, I said can't is bullshit. You've got to be careful how you pronounce that word, by the way. What did I say? 
Oh. <laughs> can't. Because your Kiwis, it can come out a little bit oh. funny. I'm like, did you just swear at me? And someone will be like, no, no, no. <laughs> C-A-N apostrophe T. Thank you. That word is bullshit. And I told the story, and I can't remember where I'd heard it. I still don't know. But I told the story about these two little boys that were playing on the ice, real solid ice, and the uh, one of the kids accidentally found a, a bit of light ice and fell through. And his mate was trying to help him out, and he grabbed this um, branch off the side of the lake and started smashing into the ice and carved up a bit of a circle. He's going nuts because it was t- so solid. And uh, he managed to bust through and pulled his mate out, and uh, obviously the paramedics came down and checked him out and stuff, and the paramedics were standing on the side of the, the ice lake going, how the hell did this kid bust through that ice? And they're checking it, and they're going, this is solid as a rock, what the hell? And then a guy, an older guy came over and said, oh, look, the reason the kid broke through the ice is because no one w- was around here to tell him that he couldn't, mm. he can't. And I thought that was a really good, because I had one of my family members going through that kind of thought pattern that they couldn't do something. And what what's your take on that? When people say that they can't write, when they can't make an impact, when they can't go out and really live their best life like you've mentioned before, what, mm. what, what do you say to that? Look, I, I'm, like I said, I'm a firm believer in it's our core beliefs that create our destiny. Now, a core belief can be positive or negative. Unfortunately, they're usually negative and they're formed at such an early age. That I can't is associated with a fear, which is associated to a limiting belief, which is associated to an experience we went through when we were younger and we've attached a story to it trauma and hardship is not the event that happens to us it's how we make sense of that event it's it's a research scientific fact it is not the event that's why the same thing can happen to both of us ocean and we respond completely different i get bitten by a dog or dogs are bad you get bitten by a dog and you're like well that's unfortunate and you go home and pet your dog it's what, not what did issue. i do to that dog yeah that's right do you know what i mean it's the stories we attach so i always look at where the story is coming from what is what is creating that i can't what has happened in the past that has reinforced the belief because maybe something didn't work out in your past and now you're saying oh well nothing's going to work so if we actually look at the origin of thought where that first came from what is fueling that there is no such thing as i can't and that's how I wanted to end this because <laughs> I knew it was going to be a gem. That's fantastic. Okay, you want to check out www.renemichelle, that's R-E-N-E-M-I-C-H-E, single L-E, yep. dot com. Go and check out all the podcasts, all the media activity she's been having. It's been fantastic. Renee, thank you so much for coming Thank down. you, Mr. Reeve. <laughs> too good, Mr. Reeve. Makes me sound old. That's my dad. <laughs> all right, guys, we'll see you next time on The Author Angle. See ya. You have been listening to An Author Angle. Brought to you by Ocean Reef Publishing, bringing stories to life. www.oceanreefpublishing.com